Well, I'll tell you what, Christy, you deserve that. She told me when she she, uh, got the invitation to come to this that she saw that I was going to be here and they were supposed to come and she told Nathan, her husband, that she thought they were in trouble because they were going to have to meet with me. Like they were the only person coming to this. And first of all, why do you think that I'm, what do you think I am? Some kind of jerk or something? (laughs) Anyway, thank, uh, first of all, I want to thank Pastor Dusty Otis. Where's Pastor Dusty? Is he here? Thank you for allowing us... um, to host this event here, uh, it's really cool for us to be able to do this. Uh, sometimes everybody thinks central is the main thing, and um, it's really not for us. Uh, we we have three other uh, we have three total campuses. I operate as the next generation pastor, which means, like you said, birth to twelve years of age, uh, no twelfth grade. I oversee all of our Christian school, Lincoln, from pre K to high school, and I oversee Dry Gulch. So, and all of our security everywhere. So. I have a big job, but that's why you empower people so you can live long. That's basically how that works. If you don't know that, you will. But uh, what we wanted to do is I wanted to take some time with you guys and talk to you guys about, uh, is there a barrel effect in here? It it sounds like it. But anyway, uh, one of the things that we've been doing for over a year and a half is trying to figure out what we wanted our kids to become. Because how many of you know we live in a generation that's pretty selfish? Yes? Well, the problem is, is the people in this room created those kids. So everything that you, we complain about as far as the next generation, you actually had something to do about. They, that's why we have a selfie. <laughs> it's all about them. And the problem with that is, is we are seeing a, a huge number of kids have serious issues when they graduate high school. So what we did is we just decided, okay, we went to two different conferences, actually maybe three. And I said, okay, we're going to find out where we're missing this because we are missing it really, really bad. And I knew that we were, and we have, we've always had great children's ministry and youth ministry, but we, how many of you know, when culture changes, you better get on, you better get on the train because if you don't, they're going to leave you behind. Now, I'm not saying that we should fit into all culture. There's some cultural things we're never going to fit into. We shouldn't because Scripture doesn't allow us to do it, such as sexuality. There's certain things we're not going to go with culture on because it's totally against Scripture. But there are some things that we really need to engage with our students. Now, I'm going to be addressing this to parents for the most part. and There's a number of volunteers here, but I want you to hear what we're trying to say. We are basically going to make some pretty drastic shifts in some of our ministry environments. Uh, at every campus. And I'm the driving force behind this. I told pastor what I wanted to do. And he said, go for it, whatever you want to do, which that's fine. Thank you, pastor George for allowing us to do this. So I want you to know that what I'm going to talk to you about has been a year and a half process. We didn't come up with this like most of the time at church on the move yesterday and decided to (laughs) decided to roll it out today. This has been over a year and a half, a lot of arguing, a lot of discussion, a lot of going, no, that's not right. Why are we doing this and doing this? I mean, we've had some serious, serious dialogue for a year and a half. And I finally just sat down by myself with some of our leaders and said, hey, what are we going to do about this? And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to go through some ideas and the different phases that our kids are going through and tell you what we need to do about it as a parent and as a church. Okay. Because God has designed the parents to be first. The church is a supplement. That's how God's designed this. So we want you to know. Now, here is the problem 
that we're going to have to solve. I told you there's a big issue with high school students. Listen to this. This is from the Barner Group. 70% of students will leave the church when they graduate high school. Now listen, this is not some kid. These are not kids over in some other church or some other youth group or some other school or some other, you know, we go to a Christian school. 70% of your kids are going to walk away when they graduate high school. I mean, you know, that's a big issue. We have got to get this right. So what we're going to do, we're going to solve this problem. The best way we know how, we're going to attack this because, listen, how many of you know, now I'm from Kentucky, so I'm going to use a little word here that you may not uh, uh, understand, but I think you will. We're not going to be a scared. <laughs> we are not going to walk away from this and say, you win, devil, you win culture. That's not what God told us to do. The Bible says that Jesus is going to build his church and the gates of hell won't prevail against it. Now, the issue is this, as leaders in a church and as families in a church, what are we going to do about it? Because God's not going to solve this problem for us. We have to attack this. We cannot sit by and watch this happen to our kids. We see it all the time. It happens all the time. I talked to another dad today at church at Central Campus about this very issue. I asked him how his son was. He graduated high school. He said, hey, my son's not doing very good. He's just floundering around. He doesn't know what he's going to do. He hardly ever comes to church. Now, I'm going to make this statement. Some of you are going to be shocked by this, but I want you to listen to me. God never called you as a parent to make sure your kid got a basketball scholarship. A football scholarship. He never called you to make sure they were on all the AAU basketball circuits and that they uh, played club volleyball every weekend. God never called you to do that. God called you to raise godly, church-engaged kids. Period. You want to build what Jesus is building? He'll help you build your kids. The church is a big deal. Not just coming, engaged kids win. Not kids that just come and sit with you in your seat, engaged kids. That's who wins. And we're going for it. I'm just telling you, we're going to push your kid. We're going to, I mean, some people, I've had people tell me, you know what, I just don't want to push, I just don't want to push church on my kids. You know, what if they resent it? You make them go to school every day. Hey, what if I just walked up and say, we're not going to push education on our kids. I want them to be stupid the rest of their life. <laughs> and I'm going to just say, my wife and I have talked about this seriously. We as a culture have our priorities wrong. We have sold out to what our kids want instead of what our kids need. Yahoo. It's true. God has never called you to build your own kingdom. He called you to build his kingdom and he'll make sure your kids get where they're supposed to go. And everybody said, oh me. There's five different stages that we have discovered that kids go through and we're going to talk about each of them because here's, here's why. We have to engage kids at every phase because most of you know this, if you have kids that are grown, they grow up way too fast. I am a grandpa. Can you believe that? I can't even believe it. When it happened, I th- it took me like two months to figure out what I was going to be called. 
because I never thought about it. I have a 20, how old is Ethan? 23? 22? And I have a 19-year-old and I have a 13-year-old. And it's like, what happened? And the thing about it is, time goes by so fast, guys, we don't even realize that it's happening. And before long, they're 18 and they look at you and say, hey, I don't believe that stuff anymore. It happens all the time. 70% of people, kids do it. Why don't you look at this graph? This is, on the left, 936 weeks from birth to they turn 18. You have 936 weeks. Which means if your kid came to church every week, we would have 936 hours of biblical instruction from the church to your kid. Now, how many of you know your kids don't come 52 weeks a year? Y'all know that? So let's just put the other chart up here. Half, let's just say 50%. If you, your kids come 50%, which is about normal for most people, you have 468 hours of biblical instruction given to your kid from the church. Their entire youth, 468 hours. You say, well, I'm the parent. I teach them at home. Great. But here's the issue. God told you to be in the church. We're not saying we take your place. What we are saying is we have a role to play in this with you. Now, here's two reasons basically this happens. It's cut to 50%. Now, the first one is the divorce rate in, our, in America has caused a lot of this because you have blended families. Most of the time, uh, if there's a divorce inside the church, mom or dad doesn't come, so they split time 50-50. Sometimes they go with mom, sometimes they go with dad, so they're on the weekends, so they're not here. And we understand that, but at the same time, it's heartbreaking. The other reason is this. We have sports-crazed parents that have. I was talking to someone the other day, and um, I used to play. Listen, there's nobody here more competitive than I am. I don't even play games I can't win. I'm just honest. I'm not going to play. If I can't win, I'm not going to play. And I'll tell you what, I, I play serious. I don't play football anymore because I, can't, I don't move very. I'm 49, and I don't move well this way. So the only way to go is straight. And you hurt people when you go straight. Because I'm not going to hurt myself. And if you get in the way, I'm, it's not flag football to me. It's tackle. I don't, I don't do that. I'm as competitive as anyone. And so I don't play if I can't win. But I also know this. My kids are not going to miss church. I spoke to a parent or found out this past week that a kid, this kid is probably in the second or third grade. This summer alone, he played over 100 baseball games. Now listen, play all you want. Were they at church? Well, we watched it online. Your kid watched it online, really. 
your kid watched Pastor George and got fed. Pastor George would even tell you, are you kidding me? That's why he built a children's church, because he wanted kids to understand at their level. Now, I know this is stinging some people. It stings me sometimes. But listen, we have got to quit playing games. We don't have enough time. The other night I was doing one of these at uh, our central campus for our junior high and senior high because we're making some modifications, which I'll tell you about shortly. And I had a mom come up at the end of it. She walked up to me in big tears in her eyes. She has a high school student that goes to Broken Air High School and that is questioning whether God exists or not. Gone to church all of her life. She walked right up to me, big old tears in her eyes, and she said, I've run out of time. We've got to engage our kids. There's 168 hours in a week. If you have 167 of them, and we get one of them as a church, as far as we're not the only, please understand, it's your job to teach your guys, your, your kids about God. We supplement that. Even if they engage church, which God told them in scripture to do, that's one hour out of 168. That means that your kids, I already have done the math, are with you 99 point, I think it's 6% of the time in a week, which means they're with us, what? Less than 1%. It's a big issue, guys. We've got to deal with this. Phase number one, newborns to two years old. These kids and their parents are motivated by safety. How many of you know parents of little ones are really particular? I mean, they wipe everything down. Now, when I grew up, you didn't wipe anything. You didn't even wipe noses. You go do it. There wasn't any safety issues. I understand. It's a, it's a different era. You can't just take your kid anywhere you want to take them. But we are enamored with safety. Now, I'm not saying that we shouldn't be. We're so enamored, we won't even take our newborns to the nursery. At church. And I don't know if you know or not, we teach your kid a baby. We teach your baby a lesson every time you come. We do. Tell them Jesus loves them, takes a mirror up, I love my Bible. We talk about all that stuff in our classroom environments. But this is the phase where mama and everybody is just, oh gosh. Certain people can hold them. I agree with that. I have no problem with that, but we are enamored with safety and we should be. The separation anxiety for parents to bring a kid to the nursery is like, oh my gosh. When we have baby dedications, you wouldn't realize how many people do not want to come on a stage if their baby is crying. Because it's just awkward for them. I get it. We are enamored with safety. We should be. This is the phase they go through. They even do it. They won't even go. I, had, I tried to, how old's Gavin? Gavin's two. Now this is Pastor Dan and Leslie's son. And he is really, really clingy to mom. And he should be. Well, one day she's working at the nursery and she's got him and she decides that I am the person that is supposed to take him from her and take him across the hallway and put him in his room. Well, he's great until somebody he doesn't know, which is me, grabs him and he goes ballistic. 
And I take him over and put him in the room. And listen, that kid has not responded to me since that day. As a matter of fact, this morning, I walked up to him in the hallway, he's two, and I offered him a piece of candy because I always keep candy with me because kids like me. (laughs) Christy doesn't like me, but kids like me. And I laid it out like this and he didn't move. I ain't nothing. I'm not taking no candy from you. None. So I'm going to go to dollar bills. (laughs) I got to start paying him off. And then she wanted me to pay her off. It's like, I ain't paying you anything. But he just totally froze on me because this is somebody I don't know. We get that. That's why in all of our nursery through two-year-old, this is going to be our mantra. We are going to embrace their physical needs to give them a great impression, first impression of their heavenly father. As a church, that's what we're going to do. As a parent of a birth through two years old, that's what you should be doing. You are introducing your kid to a generous, caring God by taking care of their personal needs. That's why in our nurseries and all of our environments, birth through two, that's our job right there. We're going to take care of their physical needs. If their diaper needs changing, guess what we're going to do? We're going to change their diaper. You know why? Because that's what Jesus would do. You take care of them. Okay? You feed them when they need to be fed. We take care of them. Okay? That's what we're going to do. Next phase is three through fives. These kids are motivated by discovery. And what they do is they like their hands on everything. I mean, they're looking and holding and grabbing and things like that. How many of you remember when we decided, I guess it's been six or seven years ago, that in all of our twos, threes, and four-room environments, we were going to put those little two-by-two squares on the floor. Anybody remember that? I mean, it was the greatest philosophy ever. (laughs) Until it met the enemy. Mike Tyson says this, everybody has a game plan until you get hit in the face. And here's the deal. (laughs) We had this great idea that we was going to make two and three and four-year-olds sit on a square with no bound, no boundary. I mean, there is no gate, there's no fence, no nothing. And they're going to sit there and they're going to listen to the word of God. <laughs> the problem <laughs> with that is adults don't even do that. <laughs> you know why? Because kids love discovery. They want to touch something and grab something and they like to climb trees and get dirty. And the problem with this is this. This is when parents start helicoptering. Because the first two or three years of their life, it's all safety. And all of a sudden, something happens to their kid. They don't care about safety. We're climbing. We're picking up frogs. We don't care what it looks like. I don't care how dirty the McDonald's playground is. We're getting in there. (laughs) And you know what? You should let them. Yeah. Your little organic wipes, you know, wiping everything down. (laughs) No, 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 no. You don't need to do that. I'm going to tell you why. Because they need to discover. Let them discover. If they fall off something, it's okay. Now, I'm not telling you to let them play out in the middle of the street. 
but let them explore. We're going to change our environments and it's going to take a little time to do it. But our third through fives, we're going to put a lot of stuff in there. They can play with and dress up stuff and all that. So we tell Bible stories, they acted them out. They need to do it. We don't let them. Oh God. What if they fall? Great. (laughs) They discovered that hurt. But they need to discover, and we won't let them discover. I almost destroyed my relationship with my oldest son because I didn't do this. Because I was an athlete, and he tried to be one, and, he, and Ethan's diff, he's definitely athletic, but he was a musician. He loves music. And I, you're going to be like me, bro, because we're going to play baseball. He didn't want anything to do with it. I almost destroyed my relationship with my son. Until I finally just said, okay, who's God want you to be? Not what I want you to be. Do you know that you don't own your kids? They're not yours. God leased them to you. You have 18 years to get it right. The gifts he gave them to them, not you. As a matter of fact, God will annoy you on purpose and give you a kid totally different than you just to annoy you. Just so you have to learn to grow up and find out that they're not your kid, they're his kid, and you've got to learn how to guide their curiosity. Am I helping you? We've got to do it in our church and in our homes. Let those kids go out and play with not, not, not dangerous things, but Lord, let them explore. Yes? Next, next slide. That's good right there. They ask questions like, am I able is this okay? Hey, can I do this? I don't know. Can I? Can I? Because you were safety. And now they're asking, can I really? Can, can I? Yes. As long as they're not falling off a bridge. They're asking these questions. That's why, they're, that's why we have to guide their curiosity to allow them to see their own uniqueness. That's why in our environments, we're going to teach this right here. God made me. He made me with this. This is who I am. Now, we're not talking about sexuality. Forget all that. Y'all know the Bible, what the Bible says. If you don't, we'll tell you later so you get it all right. It's not what we're not talking about who God made me. Well, God made me like this. No, no, no. We're talking about their gifts, their purpose in life, what God actually designed them to do. As a matter of fact, there are studies that show this, that 85% of a kid's, 80 to 85% of their personality, their makeup, their design is in them before they they already know before they're five years old. 85% of their personality, their character traits. As a matter of fact, a lot of people even say this, we can tell what kind of person they're going to be and almost what kind of job they're going to have when they turn five. We better do a really good job from birth to five. Letting them explore a little bit. That's why abuse and all this stuff is so hard on these kids. Because it totally warps their personality. We're going to help these kids, I'm telling you. We need to do this. And we're going to do it. We are going to do this. Next one. This is the great ones. K through fifth. These kids are motivated by fun. Go to the next slide. Here's the questions these rascals ask. Do I have your attention? 
Do I have what it takes? Do I have friends? So what we're going to do is we're going to engage this group and we're going to engage their interest to promote a personal and interested God. If you go into a, can- a kindergarten through five, fifth grade, the question we want you to ask is what kind of hobbies they have, what they're interested in, because if you ever ask and you ever find out, they'll tell you their whole story. They love that kind of stuff. These are some of the coolest kids there ever is. As a matter of fact, if you go in any of our environments about K through five and you watch a parent take their kid out of a classroom, there's two questions the parents ask. Did you have fun? And do you know the memory verse? (laughs) Here's what I want to do. I would love for us to hit all our kids to ask you that question. Did you have fun? And do you know the memory verse? (laughs) And most of you would go, well, well, no, 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 not really. But they want them to have fun. Now, we have fun in our classrooms. I'm going to tell you that. You go by our classroom, it's screaming loud. We love it. This is a matter of fact, pastor's already said this, so I'm not going to say anything he hasn't already said. That is real ministry. What happens in here is child care. <laughs> we totally believe that in our environments. Now, you may think you're a kid. You are. I'm just going to tell you. You are. But we're going to engage these kids because these kids, we need to know who these kids are. You'd be surprised what kind of stories these kids tell us about what's going on in their house. When we go to small groups, you'd be shocked what some of these kids are telling us. But it's awesome because they got somewhere to tell it and they got friends. That's why in our, in our central campus, if you know, you may not know this, we used to have one big room with first through fourth grade in it. Huge fellowship hall. You walk in there, it makes you, you almost have to take a bus to get to your seat. And the kids walk in there and they immediately freeze. And that's why two years ago, we just said, hey, we're cutting this down. We're going to have smaller environments. And we did it. Thank God we did it. The room was too big. Most adults didn't even like going in there. And so we'd done it so we could get into small groups so these kids would have no somebody when they walked in the room. And it's changed everything for us. Thank God. Thank God we did it. You know why? Because God's interested in these kids, what they're going through. We just got to parent them. Here's what we're going to teach. I can trust God with anything. I need to make wise decisions and I need to treat others as I want to be treated. If we can get a kindergarten through fifth grader to do that, how many of you know we've won? We've won. You say, well, you don't, you don't, they don't quote all the, you mean to tell me that they don't know all the books of the Bible? Well, that's a good question because I'm going to ask you that. How many of you know a kid like that doesn't need to know all the books of the Bible? Now, I know y'all just thinking, oh, my gosh. Listen, your kid don't know all the books of the Bible. And if they do, we taught them through a song. <laughs> you don't tell me where Obadiah is. Flip it over there right now. You can't do that. You don't need to do that. These kids don't need to do that. Listen, if they could just get along going to church, you'd be great. We've got to get a hold of these kids. We're going to do it. This is what we're going to teach them. There'll be other things. There's a lot, like trusting God with your healing. We can do all that. But here's, here's the, there's always a critical point in every phase. The first one, like birth through two, is this separate, separation anxiety with parents. Everything's safe and safe. The, the preschool is this issue that they basically, um, 85% of their personality is formed and developed before they turn five. This one is in kindergarten. Now, here's what happens in kindergarten. 
How many of you know in Oklahoma, we have, uh, uh, when kids start, we have, we have really, really good parents for, for the most part. And what happens is, is they teach their kids certain things at home when it's one-on-one. But how many of you know when they start getting in groups, everything you taught them sort of just flips upside down. So here's what happens. They have cultural changes like a new school environment. We have kindergartners going to school. And so then they are away from mom and then they have to navigate new friendships. But then you also have the psychological changes, which means their standards are upset, which means this. You've always taught them to share. Yes? Well, when they go to school, guess what happens? There ain't nobody sharing. That's why they sit over there and go, hey, he touched me and he, he did this. That's why they do that. Because they taught the whole, your whole life, you've told them certain things are true. At home. But when they go to 15 people and they start having to vie for adults' attention in a large group and realize they're just one in a larger group, it, it bothers them. But you know who else it bothers? Mama. Because, oh God, my sweet little child. And as special as they are, they have to navigate this. Because if they don't navigate this right, how many of you know when they get on up in the elementary, they're going to be, it's going to be really difficult for them to have true relationships. It's a critical point for them because they go into these environments. That's why in all, all of our environments, you just need to know this, we are going to move our kindergartners up with first graders. They're already going to do it at school. We're going to move them up in, in the grades with first graders. I know that scares some of you, and that's exactly what we intended it to do. They need this. They need to grow. If they don't, listen, my kid, all of my kids hated school. Except for Ethan. Ethan was the one he loved going. The rest of them, man, he was just, they hated it. Especially my youngest one. Oh, gosh. He gets sick every single day. Every day. I mean, I always had, every time I drove him to school, I had to take him to the bathroom because his stomach was so upset. I mean, every day. And so I would take him, and I remember one day he was sitting in the cafeteria, and he said, Dad, I'm these." He said, I'm sick. He said, I hate these people. I mean, he's in the first first grade. I hate, daddy, I hate these people. I said, well, you all right? He said, yeah. He said, they make me sick. (laughs) It was the coolest thing. I said, I agree with you. Don't worry about it. Go to school. (laughs) But here's the problem with that. Some of you, when your kid says, I don't want to go to church because those people don't like me, you know what you do? Well, you can come with me. But you don't ever do that at school. You know why? Because they're going to arrest you after a while. <laughs> are we going to have fun tonight? Oh, gosh. But you have to do it. These kindergartners are going to have, they, they need to be uh, in these kind of environments just for learning. They need it. Okay? Go to the next one. Here's the nice ones. Everybody avoids these people. This is when it gets really weird. All right? I love these kids because they're totally awesome. Because they're weird and they don't know it. And we've all been here. Everybody thinks, you know, this never happened to us. Yes, it did. They just discovered that you were weird. They didn't have psychology when I was growing up. If they did, nobody ever heard about it. Now they know this group of kids, this, listen, you cannot miss this phase. 
As a parent, you cannot miss this phase. This is probably the most uh, important phase. If you're going, you can't blow this one. Okay? These kids are motivated by acceptance. Go to the next slide. Here's the questions they ask. Who likes me? Who do I like? Do I even like me? Who am I? Because there's some changes going on. Um, we're going to affirm their personal journey to give them a safe place to process doubt. Now, this is normally self-doubt. These are issues where they are going to, they doubt themselves. It's not doubting God. That comes later. And I'll talk to you about that in a second. But here's what they do. They are going to process this and they have to have a safe place to somebody to tell them you're okay. You're all right. You're a little nerdy. You ever watch junior high kids, boys and girls try to communicate with one another? <laughs> it's the coolest thing ever, man. You ought to just watch it. And those boys are dumber than bricks. They have no idea what they're doing. <laughs> and it is so cool to watch. It is so cool. But you as a, hey, dad, you got to help these boys. All right? You got to help them. Don't let mama help them. Mama don't need to help them. Mama going to ruin this whole thing if mama gets too involved. <laughs> now, we, you can have some input, mom, but you cannot lead this charge. Daddy, step up, get your, and let's go. All right? These boys need to. <laughs> and if you're a single mom, ask one of our pastors. We'll help you walk through it. We will. We will help you walk through that with your kid. Here's the issue, guys. On the top left corner, parental influence, when they're born, parental influence is very high. As they get older, parental influence decreases. So by the time they get to middle school and high school, you basically have equal influence, and then it gets less as it goes. The other issue, bottom left, is peer influence. So when they're born, there's no peer influence at all. And then as they go, peer influence increases. Guess where they collide? The sixth grade, seventh grade, all of a sudden, we got problems. And then there's fights. How many of you fight with a middle schooler more than anything? I do. We had it. How many of you had a middle school boy, they forget everything. All of a sudden, they just forgot the everything. Like homework. They did it, but forgot to turn it in. Yeah, that's why, because something's going on. Go to the next one. Here's the problem with this. Cultural changes, cell phones. How many of you know cell phone change the game with your kids? It's a game changer. When your kid gets a cell phone, they have access to the entire world. It's called WWW. And we're not talking about wrestling. The World Wide Web. Every person on it has access to your kid. And some of you don't even check your kid's phone. Are you, are you serious? Our kids didn't get cell phones till they went, started going, they got in junior high and started going to 180 because they don't need it. You say, oh, my kid needs No, they don't. Your kid don't need a phone. They don't, you got a five-year-old got a phone. Are you serious? They don't need no phone. And plus, that's your phone. I take it anytime I want it. That's my phone. If your kid ever comes, hey, you don't be snooping on my phone. How many of y'all snoop on your kid's phone? I don't even snoop. I just go get it. I ain't snooping. I ain't hiding anything. Let me see your phone. Why we got a snoop? That's my phone. Who are you calling on my phone? Listen, I have texted my, my daughter's boyfriends over time. Hey, hi, hey, this is Pastor Greg. How's it going? <laughs> I have. I have no problem. Hey, it's me. Don't be texting my daughter after 10. Boom. He said, I'm not going to do that. I'll hurt my kid. No, no, no. I have a great kid. Some of y'all scared. Oh, gosh. Don't be scared of your kid. 
Lord have mercy. Listen, I'm still afraid of my dad, and my dad's 70. How many of y'all afraid of your dad? I was. I mean, my friend, listen, man, let me tell you something. My dad used to tell me, I was always bigger than my dad. I, could, I knew I could take him if I wanted to. But my dad would always tell me, hey, son, you can take me. I know you can take me, but you have to go to sleep. <laughs> it always bothered me. I've had, I, you know, I, I've had bad sleep ever since he told me that. I'm 49. <laughs> they have cell phones in Tulsa and Oklahoma. They switch schools. So basically they're in elementary school and then they go to what we call sixth, sixth grade centers. And all of a sudden, how many of you know all these kids, you, you used to know everybody in their class and now you don't. It's an issue. They charge changing classrooms, their friend groups change, and then societal pressure happens. And then the big P word, puberty. The voice starts changing and weird things. They start cracking their voices when they talk and they start getting two-arm pit hairs and they think they did the king of the world. <laughs> girls start developing and they start noticing these girls and the girls start noticing the boys and it's like, oh gosh. And here's the worst thing ever. Parents get insecure. And they back off. Because I don't know this world. Let me tell you something. You better walk right toward it. Walk them through it. Walk them through it. Engage them. They need us to engage them, affirm them. It's okay. Hey, I remember when I was stupid. You probably don't even remember. Just tell them. I remember when I was stupid too. Just tell them. How many of you all know this? There's a little stupid in everybody in this room. It is. You say, well, I've, I've always been right. No, you're stupid. See, I just told you. You're stupid. You just said that. It's, there's a little stupid in everybody. Everybody has a little stupid in them. Everybody in here, if given the right set of circumstances at the wrong time, you can go stupid. You say, no, me, I read my Bible every day. It don't matter. You're still stupid. It doesn't matter. We all have, we all have it. Your kids have it. You have it. You can, we have to engage these kids and we're going to do it. We do it on all of our services. We're going to change some of this though. And I'm going to tell you how in just a second. Next one. All right. Nine through 12. These kids are motivated by freedom. They like themselves. They like selfies. Lots of them. Pictures of themselves. All kind of faces and all these poses with their lips stuck out. And all this. what are you doing? All you girls posing and all that. What are you, what is that? They're motivated by freedom. And here's the questions they ask. As a ninth grader, where do I belong? What should I believe? How can I matter? What will I do? So what we're going to do is we're going to mobilize your kids' potential to develop a personal vision for their future. That's why we do not have high school services on the weekend. And I'm going to tell you why. Because your kids need to be volunteering. Your high school student needs to be in our junior high rooms and our kids' environments investing in other kids. Because the last thing they need is another self-place. I'm just telling you. You say, yeah, my kid's struggling. Hey, listen, you got them 99% of the time. We have them 0.5. And that's why we don't do that. We're, gonna, we're asking your kids to volunteer in our classrooms on the weekends to help another kid. You know how to keep your kids off drugs? Put them in a classroom where they have to answer every Sunday morning. Hey, how'd your week go? And your kid ain't going to go, hey, you know what I did? I smoked dope all weekend. 
or I've been drinking and me and my girlfriend sleeping around. I have no vision for my life. Listen, you get in there, you'll get a vision. Your kids need to be engaged volunteering around this place. Yes, they do. You say, man, my kid don't want it. That's exactly the problem. That's exactly the problem. Our kids need to be totally engaged, totally engaged, totally engaged in their church. And I'm going to tell you why. Because if they don't, if they don't, they're going to go to OSU, OU, TU, TCC. They're going to walk out of here and they're going to think you're totally irrelevant. And you know why? Because we never put their gift to work inside the thing God is building. God is building the church. Your student needs to be building the church. That way when they leave, the first thing, most of you, if you take a high school student to OSU and you go, hey, we're going to tour the school, see if we like it or not. And you never go tour any churches. Where are you going to get involved? What church are you going to go to? What are you going to do at this church? You have to be careful. Listen, God never told you to get your kid a 4.0. Now, I'm not telling you you shouldn't do it. Daniel was a very smart dude. Daniel was very extremely smart. God used his smarts to glorify him and deliver people. That's why we're losing them because we don't engage them in church. We let them do whatever they want to. What do you want to do? Well, it's just, I don't know. I'm just going to sit back here and I'm going to do this. <clears throat> no, they need to be in these classrooms. All our campuses, that's what we're going to do. And we've already been doing it. We have hundreds and hundreds of teenagers right now helping in our kids' environments. They need to be in your kids. I'm just telling you, your kid needs to be doing this. And I'm going to just tell you, we're, gonna, we're not going to beg them to. We're just going to go up and say, hey, what are you doing? We're going to get real aggressive. And your kid may hate my guts, but that's all right. At least I won't be the one saying, hey, he never tried. I'm going to do it. You need to be doing it. What are you going to do, son? You need to engage the church. Or are you going to use your gift? Everybody said amen or oh me or whatever you said. Here's the critical point. Tenth grade is normally the critical point for this age group, and here's why. Because they get their driver's license, they get a job, and they start dating. And how many of you know those three together are disaster? <clears throat> it is. And then you put the other one, the spiritual problem, they start questioning their beliefs in about the tenth grade. When you have less influence and their peer have more. And they start working secular jobs, and all of a sudden, you've got problems here, and they start dating people you don't know, and they're hanging out with people you don't know. And uh, how many of you know, it's, it can be disaster if you don't engage them. We know that. We're going to run right to them. We have no problem. Listen, we have people all the time. Kids come up and say, hey, you know, I don't know if I believe in God or not. That's all right. Come on. Let's talk about it. So we start going, oh, you can't do that to a kid. You can't do it to them. I don't know if you know it or not. How many of you know colleges are totally anti-God? For the most part, secular colleges, hey, they don't want God anywhere near them. And that's what we're dealing with. We're dealing with a whole culture that doesn't even want God anywhere near them. Here's what we're going to teach your 6th through 12th graders. For the most part, authentic faith, spiritual disciplines, moral boundaries, healthy relationships, wise choices, ultimate authority, and others are first. Now, we, we filter everything through those. So when your kid leaves, they at least have some, uh, they have a brain. And they can do something for God. We're going to actually have four mission trips. We're going to start doing mission trips for our kids. We're going to take them somewhere. They need to be doing something. <clears throat> you say, well, one of my kids don't want to go. Make them. 
Who's the parent? Yeah, you're going. You just don't know it. You're going. And you're going to raise the money to go. Get on it. Get a job. You know the whole job thing? You know, quit dating, get a car, get a job, going on a mission trip. Yeah. He said, I don't know if I can parent like that. Listen, you better giddy up. Because I'm going to tell you this. As much I love, my favorite people group are 9th through 12th graders. Because they're weird. And they have so much talent. And God has so much in them that they don't even know what to do with themselves. We got to engage it. Send them on mission trips. Get them involved in classrooms. Mobilize all of their energy and all their strength. Because, listen, they're going to burn it somewhere. It might as well be putting into God's kingdom. Because we're going to organize. We've already been to Belize with some of them. We've been to the L.A. Dream Center. We're going to open up two more that we know of. Some are going to be closer. So it's just a driving distance instead of flying out of the country or wherever. But we are going to do it. As a matter of fact, next year we're going to New York City's Dream Center with students. We're going. <clears throat> Serve days and things like that. We send kids all the time down to, uh, where, where is it they feed the hungry? Thursday night lights. We do that. 180. We do that. We pay for the whole night. $600 and we send kids down there to serve. It's cool. Your kid needs to do that. You say, well, my kid's a star football player. Great. Your kid needs to do that. You know why? Because your kid ain't a, he, listen. Now I'm going to hurt somebody's feelings here but I don't mean to. Our kids are one in a million. You say, yeah, my kid's one in a million. My kid's one of a kind. No, they're not. No, they're not. God has a special design for them, but they are no better than the next kid right next to them. I would hate to know that your kid was a star athlete and he got out, went to college, never served God anymore. Got married, divorced, had four kids out of wedlock, didn't know how to even function in life. Is that your kid? That's not the kid we want. God needs your kid. I'm telling you, he needs your kid. But God's got to use you as a parent and us as a church to partner together because we are better together. We are better when we do it together. I'm not telling you your kid can't play sports and I'm not telling you your kid shouldn't get good grades. But that is not the goal of parenting. The goal of parenting is to raise Christ-centered, church-engaged adults. And this whole 26 weeks a year is not going to cut it. 26, the average kid, 26 hours of biblical instruction from a church which God ordained to help you as a parent. And we give him 26 hours a year. So, let me tell you some changes we're going to make. And if you want to know anything more about this, you can ask your campus guys, Pastor Stephen and Pastor Dan and uh, Jared and some of these other guys and Pastor Tremonti or whatever. But for our high school students, 
we are going to a weekly service. Every week, we are going to have a high school, middle school ministry on Wednesday night or whenever we do it at South. It's going to be Wednesday on South. We are going to it here or wherever we're going to do. Pastor Dusty told me I, I could say this, but they are actually, we're remodeling the cherry berry that's over here. And it's going to be our youth facility and some of our office. And it'll be done like in before the first of the year. I heard October, but you know, I don't believe that. <laughs> we're going to do it where we can have a place that we meet period for kids all the time. High school kids, middle school kids. It's going to be every week. You say, man, that's tough. Let me tell you something. Let me tell you what's tough. Having to go to jail to get your kid out. That's tough. Even right now, 12 hours. Our high school students get 12 hours of instruction for us because we do one a month. That, that's not enough. It's embarrassing. We apologize for that. It's not enough. You say, well, my kid won't be there. Man, that's up to you. You got him 99% of the time. You do what you want to do with your kid. We're going to offer this because kids need this. We will have a United Night, the first one. We will bus every campus. We'll go to uh, 180, the central, so we can all unite together. But the other three or four, whichever it is, they're going to be at this site or at that site worshiping God. They'll be in small groups that night. We're not going to have a separate night of small groups. The kids will be in small groups the night when they come to campus, on that campus. Okay, that's what we're going to do. The second thing we're going to do is we are going to move sixth grade to our middle school environments. Now, I've had a lot of parents go, oh, I don't know about that. Well, I understand that, but listen to me. I need you to understand this. What your kids are going through, we are not answering them in, in our elementary environments. You hear me? We are not addressing them. We are behind puberty. We're behind it. They need it. We're not talking about it. We're not talking about this stuff openly and acting like a bunch of idiots. We're trying to help guide your kid. They need to be in an environment where we can talk to them before they hit it. And we're going to move them. Now, if you want to, you can keep your kid in a fifth grade environment. That's perfectly fine with us. We're not going to say anything to you about it. If that's what you think you should do, that's fine with us. But we're going to move, as a general rule, all our sixth graders up to our middle school environments. Which means they go to 180. Now, I know people get nervous. They're going to be in there with 10th graders? Yep, that's right. We're going to keep them separate. Listen, they could be in worse. Listen, I'm telling you, your kids go to school with people worse than 10th graders. <laughs> Last thing is this. We have done a really poor job of this, and for that, we're, we, we have made apologies to every parent in here. We have not partnered with our parents like we should because we have parents begging for resources to help them raise their kids. And we haven't done it. But we're going we're gonna to start changing it. It's, it's beginning right now. We are going to partner with you. We're going to have our website is getting remodeled. We're going to have Twitter feeds. Some of y'all don't even know what that is, but we're going to be putting articles out for you for every phase that your kid goes through to help you navigate through those. And we're going to do it because, listen, you have them 99% of the time. We should be investing in you as much as we are in your kids. If we want the church to be what it's going to be, we have to help parents parent well. 
Now, we're not saying you're doing a terrible job. It's just we're going to come along beside because it's our job to feed the flock. And that's what we're going to do. So our apologies to you as a student ministry, and we're going to fix it. You don't have to read the articles. You'll get all of them and say, that's stupid. Well, that's fine. That's totally up to you, but we're going to source you with some stuff. Now, I don't have a copy of this book, but you you need to, every parent needs to read this book. It's called IY Generation. I and a Y Generation. It's by Tim Elmore. You need to get this book and read it. The first thing you should do. It's going to talk to you about why this generation is like they are and who created them and how we can fix it. Okay? We've got to do this if we want to win. Here's our goal, finally, is this. Is that the last one? Our ultimate goal is your kid needs to learn how to love God, love themselves, and love others. Because that's what Jesus taught. Yes? That's what we're going to do. So I strongly encourage you, if you have any questions about this, I'll be around, I'll be, I'll be here, but Pastor Stephen, you stand up. Where's Pastor Andrew? Where's Andrew at? Tremonti, he's not even here. Oh, there he is. Pastor Andrew's right there. That's our 180 campus next-gen guy. Pastor Stephen, where's Jared and Dan? Y'all stand up, blah, blah, blah. They're all around. Go ask them whatever you want. They know all the details of this, and they don't tell me so I can digest that. Thank you guys so much for coming. This has been really, really cool for us. What, do I hand this over to somebody or I dismiss a prayer or shout hallelujah or what? I do it? I pray it out? Okay. I probably need to pray for y'all, you and Dan, because y'all were silly up here. I mean, y'all. Maybe I should be crisp. <laughs> and I have nothing to give away. We ought to upgrade. I mean, don't we have a mahogany's around here somewhere? I mean, we ought to help some of these people. You're going to give somebody a date night for a cup of coffee and a nugget. <laughs> these men can't even <laughs> dude I've seen some of these men these men can eat lots of nuggets <laughs> y'all gonna starve these poor families man y'all good lord and Christy I don't know what you were doing up here girl I'm telling you what <laughs> that was incredible that was incredible but anyway listen don't ever 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 be afraid help your kid they need you you know why we do small groups because statistics say that that 70% of kids leaving the church after they turn 18 that number goes down to 35% if another adult is in your kid's life not you not their peers another adult is helping them walk through this it goes down to 35%. That's why we do small groups. That's why we need people in our environments working. That's why we need you. Maybe you don't need to be in your kids' own environment. We need people in these kids' lives that are helping them navigate some of this. Don't sit on the sidelines, not at South Campus, not at any other campus. You say, well, I'm busy. No, you're not. You're just busy at the wrong things. You're not busy. Your priorities are out of line. And I'm going to be honest with you. I'm not, listen, I'm not here to whoop you or anything. If you're not volunteering, you're doing yourself and your family a disservice. 
high school students, 6th, ninth through 12th graders, you know what you need to be doing? You need to be finding your campus guy tonight and going, hey, I want to get plugged in. Yeah, I'm a cheerleader. I don't care what you are. You need to be plugged in. I mean, you know, you shouldn't be cheering on Sunday anyway. What's wrong with you? (laughs) You can do this. Well, I want to get a scholarship. You do? Do what Jesus told you to do. He'll make sure you get one. We got it all wrong. We got it all wrong. If you will help Jesus build what he's building, he will help you build what you're building. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for these wonderful, wonderful people. What a great group that we have. What a great church. What a cool, cool thing that we get to do to help raise our kids. Lord, we're not going to back down. We're not going to be afraid. We have grace to raise the kids that you've given us. We have grace to raise the kids in our church that you have sent to be a part of our church. We no longer, Lord, are going to sit on the sidelines and watch somebody else raise our kids. We're going to get engaged at home and in the body of Christ using our gift to influence kids. Lord, we thank you. Give us ideas on what we need to do. Help these parents. Give them grace to and forgive them for wherever we've made mistakes as parents. Lord, I've made them. You've forgiven me and you've given me grace. And Lord, you give me three awesome kids that want to fulfill the call of God on their life. Thank you for that. We're not perfect, Lord. We just follow somebody that is. We ask you to give us grace to move our ministries forward. We thank you for it. We believe you for it. In Jesus' name, everybody said? All right. You can all stand. Do we have any food left over? Because y'all giving these McNuggets out. These boys need something to eat. God bless you guys. You're dismissed. Thanks for coming.